0: Hi, I'm Shelly and I'm Maria and you're listening to the baby pro podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy and through the first year of your child's life.
1: Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the answers to the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Maria. Hey, Shelly. Are you dressing up for Halloween? I am. What are you dressing up as? Maleficent. I would have totally guessed that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. I can totally see it. And um, well, I know I've got a, a headpiece that's got the horns. And Morgan is going to be Harley Quinn.
1: Oh, one of my favorite characters. I she want to see pictures.
0: I saw. She said she is, Harley Quinn is her favorite villain. And that is my child after my own heart. I love a good villain. <laughs> yep, mine too. Have you ever seen the movie The Labyrinth? Are you kidding me right now? (laughs) Is there a human being in existence who has not
1: seen the movie The Labyrinth? Do you know that you are the first person, I've been asking everyone, and you are the first person to say yes. Shut the front door. I thought I was going crazy. I thought (laughs) I had like made up that movie in my head. (laughs) It is one of my all-time favorite movies.
0: Yes. (laughs) David Bowie made me question my sexuality. Like I wanted to be Sarah, all of it. Anyways, I'm going as I'm going as the Goblin King. I'm going
1: as David Bowie's
0: character. That's awesome. Are you going to have a cod piece? Please tell me you are. A what? A cod piece.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: extra pants. large. <laughs> yeah, that was like like the. His infamous <laughs> bulge in that movie. Yes, I remember watching that as a kid and being like, "This is a kids' movie."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his dance moves. It's just, it's <laughs> a classic. But no one else seemed to remember this movie.
0: And <laughs> who are these people? They are not. I think they you need to cut those people
1: out of your life, or maybe I just imagine them. Not that <laughs> a movie. <laughs> Did you be like? David Bowie, Goblin King. Mm-hmm. Well, I just like looked at pictures of him and picked stuff out and then for John I bought a Ludo costume.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um what else could he could have also been? I mean, he could have been Huggle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cuz I guess he's a little too tall to be Huggle. Mm. You could make Hunter Huggle. Yeah, maybe. This is going to be so- a good Halloween. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Uh, Thursday in Jiu Jitsu, they're having the kids Halloween class where we all go in our costumes and we have a bunch of games
1: and have a good time. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my kids don't want to hang out with me. Um, You know, they're too cool. I know. Well, you have. So I will be going to a friend's house and we're going to watch horror movies and knit, which I just realized makes me sound very uncool.
0: (laughs) But that sounds like the perfect night we're middle-aged, let's accept it and just
1: embrace it. That's what I did last year and it was great. All right. This week, we are speaking with Jessica Lauren from Mamas in Training Podcast and she's going to talk to us about the three pillars of motherhood. But first, let's talk about this news article that I read the other day. The headline is, finally, there's some good news about newborns and COVID. Turns out COVID in newborns isn't as scary as you think. And there is a new AAP study that involved um, 1 million babies. Hmm. And I thought I, we knew that already. Oh, really? This isn't something that I have heard yet.
0: Maybe it was just speculation. I, I
1: feel mm-hmm. like I, I, I've always heard that the symptoms weren't serious. And newborn right, babies, like if they if they catch COVID, the symptoms end as serious but i never heard that they weren't as contagious
0: maybe it was just anecdotal maybe i'm just thinking of like conversations we all had like in observation
1: yeah but the the study revealed that you know babies have a 0.1 chance of being infected with covid that's exciting yeah because then then they can get the um vaccine at six months so we will link yeah, to that yeah. story in the notes. And next we have our question of the week. Okay. This week's question is my 11 month old nurses for three minutes and then tries to crawl away. Is this normal? An 11 month old? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> I used to call it drive by nursing. because <laughs> I would just sit on the floor with a book and like my... Boobs just hanging out yeah. and I go, vroom, stop <laughs> it takes a yeah. drink I go in the circle vroom, <laughs>
0: vroom. yeah totally totally normal super frustrating and I, I feel like I remember at that time I was starting to enjoy nursing less like mm. personally because Morgan was a very distracted eater so you know we had to go be in the quiet room to do it like yeah So definitely frustrating and then a little annoying sometimes, but super normal.
1: I mean, it's normal for this age, right? It's normal for around four months too, for them to get extremely distracted. But I've noticed the like intensity of the distraction, I feel like has gone up since COVID hit for some reason. Like now Hmm. when I see a four month old who doesn't really want to nurse because they're so distracted, like they are so distracted. Right. And a lot of the normal things that we do to overcome this is just not working as well.
0: That's interesting because people are definitely out and about more at Mm -hmm. this point in time. So babies aren't really like as quarantined. So I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to think to my clients, like a lot of them still do, I'm not going to say quarantine, but they definitely avoid the public more with newborns than I think they used to. Mm.
1: Hmm. Interesting observation, Shelley. Next up, we have Jessica Lauren. Mm -hmm. So if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I talk a lot about how preparation can be extremely helpful and can make a huge difference on how smoothly your labor and delivery, your pregnancy, your postpartum period can go. And so that's why I'm really excited about today's guest, Jessica Lorian. Jessica has spent the last 13 years as a professional actor and voiceover artist in New York City. Now as the host and producer of Mamas in Training podcast, she supports pregnant women and aspiring moms in their journey into motherhood. What makes her show different from other pregnancy and motherhood podcasts is that she's not a mom yet. An autoimmune disease has delayed her journey into motherhood and she has decided to learn right alongside her audience. With a background in performing on stage, in front of camera, as well as being a professional singer, her mission is to spread the importance of studying motherhood. She intends to use her voice and desire to connect with women everywhere, to share the lessons she has learned, and to give community to those in need. And what she's here to talk to us about today is the three pillars of motherhood, which is something that she believes will help a family prepare for parenting, pregnancy, parenting, and the birth if it's followed, if you follow all these three pillars. So we'll be talking to her next.
2: Hey, Jessica, how are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to connect with you.
1: And you said, you mentioned that you're in New York City.
2: Yeah, I live just outside Manhattan in Queens, mm-hmm. so it's actually the most beautiful, in my opinion, time of year here, because it's just, the air is crisp, and it's refreshing. It's it's a great time to be in the city. A lot of good energy here. Nice. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, like yeah. your family? Yeah. I. Uh, well, I'm originally, I moved to New York City from uh, Massachusetts, um, so I'm not too far from home home but I came here because I'm an actor. So um, I originally started off in theater and now I'm moving a little bit more into TV and film and then developed my podcast about three and a half years ago. And so became a podcaster. So I wear multiple, multiple hats, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of what a lot of creatives and uh, artists do here in New York city. So I've lived here now for 14 years and been married and with my husband. I've been with him for 14 years, married for five And, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a crazy world juggling all different types of creative energies, but the thing that I'm the most impassioned to do and what kind of keeps me going every day is the thought of creating community of supporting people, um, and of learning through the process myself. So Mm -hmm. my podcast is called mama's in training. It's M a M a S. And um, its mission is to give aspiring like myself and expecting moms guidance and community from women who've been there. So essentially I interview women about what they wish they had known before they became pregnant or became a mom. And kind of the unique thing about it is that I'm not yet a mom myself. So I'm just like my audience learning every day. And where in Massachusetts are you from? Uh, It's I grew up in Taunton primarily. Taunton. okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm in Southern Holden. Boston. I don't know if you- remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, more, like, a right little more north, north, but yeah. Yeah, small yeah. world. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: At least you still get like the leaves and everything in the oh, fall. Yeah. You didn't move somewhere where you had to miss that.
2: Yeah, not not too far. I mean, I don't, I'll be honest, some days I'm like, maybe I'll just move to California. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> I think we all have that thought uh, on the east coast and when, when winter know. hits, we're like, oh. but you know what? We don't have tornadoes. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of hurricanes. Like occasionally we'll have a hurricane, but you know, exactly. I'll take it blizzards earthquakes, over earthquakes and tornadoes yes. any <laughs> <Yes>. true. <laughs> so, when we had originally connected, you were mentioning the three pillars of motherhood.
2: Mm -hmm. So can you explain what that is? Absolutely. It was around my 100th episode um, where I kind of wanted to like sit back and and just reflect like what has gone on the past, at that point it was like two years or so. Like what have I learned? All of these interviews, all these conversations with women, what sort of things have stuck out And it became these three pillars, which really are brought up in, I would say, 90%, if not more, of every single conversation that I had. And so they've really become the groundwork and the foundation for not only entering motherhood, but really going through any sort of major process in your life. And so for me, it was an interesting thing because I started the podcast At a time where I was really struggling with my health and I was on a journey of healing and sort of subconsciously, I used these pillars myself and ended up being able to heal myself, um, Mm -hmm. which was a fantastic result that I honestly wasn't even expecting Um, But it was in these three pillars, which are advocacy, planning, and preparing, and community that I was able to personally really find my footing, feel grounded, and be able to move through that process. And I've discovered too in conversations with women that it's the same exact situation with somebody who's entering and going through motherhood. Um, Advocacy, planning, and preparing, and community are essential and really help you to feel more prepared and feel like you have the most support that, that you possibly can have.
1: So can you give some examples of those, like how a mom would, or a mom in training would advocate for themselves? Like in what situations
2: would they need to do that? Absolutely. Yeah. So when you start with advocacy, advocacy looks like, and you probably hear it all the time, advocate for yourself, advocate for yourself, but Mm -hmm. we often don't really know what that could mean. So even going back to like trying to conceive, there are levels that of advocacy that we need to start at that point too. Because what I really like to encourage everybody to remember is you have been with your body for 20, 30, 40, whatever it is, years. So you know best what's going on, what's potentially off.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: as as much power and Um, control we want to put in the hands of our providers, which there's completely a place for them. Absolutely. But we know so much more about ourselves than we actually give us credit for. So when we're going through this process, especially of just trying to conceive, take all of the information in that is given to you, but also just check in with yourself. And if some, like what are those gut reactions that are, that are speaking to you? And this moves in and through pregnancy and postpartum. So same thing, you know, your body, even though it's changing, once you get pregnant, you, you know, you have that gut feeling. And especially in postpartum, it's the same thing. Like there are definitely hormone changes. There are definitely adjustments that are going to happen, but you know, deep down, if something's not right. And if your doctor is just pushing it off, brushing it off, saying, Oh, this is normal. This is just motherhood. This is the way that it is. I just encourage and have been encouraged myself from all of these women that I've chatted with to not take that as the end all answer. And that there is a way to not necessarily have incontinence 24 (laughs) seven, you know, Mm -hmm. like just because that's typical, it doesn't mean it has to be your path. Um, for me advocating for myself, especially in the realm of health and the healthcare system came, um, through long story short, going back a little bit, I developed an autoimmune disease back in 2013 and the medication that I had to end up going on because of this autoimmune disease prevented me from becoming a mom and getting pregnant whenever I wanted. In fact, they told me if I did get pregnant, I'd actually have to get an abortion, no questions asked, because the fetus would, would it would be too dangerous. Mm. So essentially that's why I started this podcast, because I was in this forced period of waiting. I had no choice but to wait until I was off the medication or on a safer medication. And I needed something positive to focus on. So by starting the podcast and creating a community for myself, I was able to learn all about motherhood and kind of get my mind in just like a good positive spot instead of just thinking, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this, you know, but back when I was going through the heart of everything with my autoimmune disease, I had developed something in and around my ankles and my feet that was different than what I was currently experiencing. And I literally had to demand three or four times that my doctor do a biopsy in order to really identify what this thing was. And he just kept brushing it off. And it's I'm, I'm really grateful that I did advocate for myself because in the end, when he did the biopsy, it turned out to be what he didn't expect, he was wrong. And my other doctor ended up telling me, I'm really glad you got that biopsy because the way in which we would treat this now is very different. And in fact, if we didn't treat it, it could end up affecting other organs um, and cause lots of other problems. So that was my kind of shining example of advocating for myself. Um, But I think when you're in going through this process of motherhood and all of it is unknown, it can feel like you want to give up a lot of power. But it's in those gut reactions and those really like checking in with your heart that you can, I think, have the confidence to then speak up and say, no, this is the way that I want to push, or this is what I want in my 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 birthing time and during labor. This is the environment that I want postpartum, like whatever that is, advocating comes up at every corner throughout motherhood. So it's mm-hmm. so essential.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I think that's very common, unfortunately, in the at least in the US medical system, where if you are a woman, you're your concerns are often dismissed. And especially if you are a woman of color mm-hmm. and then your concerns are even more dismissed. I remember um, a-, a while ago I kept having severe, severe chest pain. It felt like an elephant sitting on my chest and it would happen, you know, maybe once every month or a couple months. And it was ba- like, I had natural childbirth and I would rather go through that again than <laughs> feel mm-hmm. that pain. And I kept going to the ER and they kept saying, well, you're just having anxiety attacks. And I kept saying, I don't have anxiety attacks. Uh, yeah. This is not an anxiety attack. And they just kept dismissing it until finally I ended up in the ER again. And by and it turned out it was my gallbladder. And by then my gallbladder was mm-hmm. so infected that it had started to impact my liver. So instead of having like a same day surgery to get my gallbladder out, I had to have emergency gallbladder surgery and be in the hospital for three days. Mm. All because I was just getting told, uh, you know, at one point, one of the doctors told me I was being hysterical, which is really what you want to hear when you're in pain in the ER. get another doctor. (laughs) So, yeah. And I, you know, I've got a lot of stories like that to share. And I'm sure a lot of women have stories like that Mm -hmm. to share where there's a misdiagnosis just because, you know, especially postpartum, right? Because Mm -hmm. postpartum symptoms can mimic a lot of like hypothyroidism. What happens when you have hypothyroid? You, you feel tired. You have trouble losing weight. Your hair falls out. What happens when you are postpartum? You feel tired you're losing weight. Your hair okay. falls out. So a lot of times these women go to their providers like, I think something's wrong because, you know, I'm exhausted all the time and my hair is falling out. And they're like, well, you just had a baby. That's normal. And I always try to drive home to the families I work with. Like, um, common does not mean normal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like what you were saying about, you know, incontinence. Is it common for a lot of women to have incontinence after birth? Yes. Is it normal? No. But it's treated like it's normal.
2: Right. And I think the important thing is, you know, it's all in the way that we go about this. Like it's never, you know, you don't have to get in a fight with your provider. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't have to be um, combative or anything mm-hmm. like that, what? but go get a second opinion. Like it's totally yeah. okay to get a second opinion or especially, you know, in community, which I'll end up talking about as the third pillar By having community, you really get to also survey and compare your experience with other people's and then know like, okay, this is a little bit normal for X period of time, but then if it exceeds that period of time, you know, and I think we have to remember that these doctors, these providers, this is their job. This is business. This is day in, day out. And Oftentimes they are going to just give you that typical common response because they see it all day every day. Mm-hmm. But for you, this is your potentially one first and only time to go through this. And so I think there's nothing wrong with either getting a second opinion, speaking to other people, um pushing back in the you know in a gentle, respectful way. but either way, In order to do this, we also have to do like the second pillar, which I'll talk about, which is the planning and preparation part so that we do have the knowledge to step up and to speak out for what we desire and what we believe is going on.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think it helps if you think of yourself as part of your healthcare team. A lot of patients they they view themselves as the patient, and then they have their healthcare team right. Their OB, their primary, you know, hopefully yeah. mental health specialist to just to check in mm-hmm. on them, and you know, ideally in an ideal world, you'd also have your pelvic floor specialist and your lactation yep. consultant if you're planning on breastfeeding. And so even when they have like the the full team set up, they still view themselves as the patient, mm-hmm. and. I I wish families would view themselves more as part of their own healthcare team like equal among their providers because like you said they know their body better than any of their providers and they are the one who knows like something's not quite right here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um because it can feel like for some people advocating for themselves can feel like conflict and so yeah, they're absolutely. hesitant to do it. So even just mm-hmm. finding ways to advocate for yourself, that's more comfortable for you. Like maybe you send your provider a message to the portal instead of calling them and talking mm-hmm. on the phone. Maybe that will feel more comfortable for you. Um, or maybe enlisting the help of a support person to help help yes. you advocate for yourself if you really feel like you can't do it. And a lot of times you can't, you know, especially in birth, you're kind of lost in the contractions and you're just trying to get through. It's not a time where most people can really advocate for themselves. And that's why people hire doulas or um, have Mm -hmm. their partner come on board as the advocate person.
2: It ends up giving you a lot more confidence and support. Or even if somebody like a a doula or a lactation consultant or a therapist, whatever, can just give you the words in which to use, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes is beneficial. The other thing about advocacy that I want to point out too, is it's not just within your provider or your relationship with somebody that you're working with in that sense, but it can also be, you know, if we're talking about postpartum, it can also be with either your partner or your family or your friends, like who do you want around you in your environment? What type of energy do you want in your home when you're postpartum, Mm -hmm. you know, and advocating for yourself and saying, if I don't want, Aunt Joe to come visit because Aunt Joe gives me too much anxiety, (laughs) you know, or or she makes me feel like I have to entertain her or, you know, whatever that is, that's another aspect of advocating for ourselves that we think, oh, well, they just want to be nice. They just want to bring this over. They just want to whatever. But you have to really also make sure that you're holding space for yourself, your new child and your partner, if you have one, to really create the environment that you desire. And that's mm-hmm. okay to to make set those boundaries. Yeah.
1: And sometimes you even have to do it with yourself, right? Like if yeah. you find yourself scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and you're yeah. struggling with milk supply and you're seeing photo after photo of huge, you know, freezer stashes of mm-hmm. pumped milk, you know, part of advocating for yourself is saying, I am not going to look at these photos anymore. I'm going Mm -hmm. to unfollow these people. They do not make me feel good about myself. So why follow them? Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes it's even like changing things within yourself to help, to help yourself out. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about the
2: second pillar. The first one's advocacy. And the second one is. Second one is planning and preparing. And Mm -hmm. as I touched on a minute ago, The aspect of planning and preparing, you know, many of us think like, oh, okay, we'll do this. We'll read this book. We'll do that. But it goes a little bit deeper for what I'm encouraging people to do. Um, The phrase that I like to say is drink from the fire hose. So oftentimes when um, I hear that women are just newly pregnant, they're very overwhelmed because there's all this information coming at them. Sometimes people even just sort of throw their hands up and give up and say like, I'm just going to ride the wave and just see what happens. And if that's your path, that's great too. But what i like to encourage is drink from the fire hose, learn about everything, take it all in, let it just smack you in the face. And then you can end up down the road sort of sifting through what works for you and what doesn't. But the best thing about doing that is we get information kind of like saved in the back of our brain and we can call on it if we need it. So I'll give you two examples, like breastfeeding and formula feeding. If somebody is planning on breastfeeding, it's probably rare that they're also going to do any sort of research or learn about formula feeding the types of formula organic versus non, what it you know how you would feed with formula feeding all these things however if something happens and for whatever reason our baby doesn't latch we're not um having you know Maybe they were, they were a preemie. Maybe we have a C-section and we're not producing right away. Maybe we're not producing enough. Like there's so many different factors that can come in with this, which I know, you know, very well. And so if we have the knowledge of what formula feeding might look like, it can give us an opportunity that if we have to step into that world, we already have that knowledge and we're already prepared for it. And in an episode that I did. Episode 74, I think it is, with Erin Moore all about formula feeding. She recommends actually even picking out and buying a formula that you would be okay with because, you know, some people might want organic, some people don't. Whatever kind of formula you would be okay with, buy it, put it in your hospital bag, and actually have it ready to go so that if you're the mom that you know, really would want to know what is, you know, being given to your baby as a newborn, then you already have that thing picked out. Now, some people are like, I don't care. I'll just take whatever the hospital gives me. And that's fine too. But as long as we know the information, like for example, another one is C-section versus natural, natural birth.
1: Mm-hmm. If
2: you never ha- have heard anything about what a C-section is like, um, there's this new thing that, many people haven't even heard about, that's the gentle C-section. And so if you know that you could potentially have a gentle C-section and that, that that's an option, you could even ask your provider ahead of time. Like if I do have to have a C-section, do you offer the gentle C-section and what does that look like? And so of course, you know, if, um, if a birthing person is preparing to have a natural birth, they probably wouldn't read too much up about a C-section. But in order to do this work, it's just saved in the back of your mind. And then if that does happen, your path takes another route that you're not expecting. You can call on that information and say like, oh, yeah, I remember when so-and-so talked about this and therefore, oh, I can ask about that. It gives us so much more preparation. And then now touching back to our advocacy point, we're able to then advocate for ourselves and say, no, this is the formula that I want. This, actually, I would prefer a gentle C-section in this situation. You know, it just gives us the ammunition to support what we desire and the way that we want our path to unfold. Because, of course, we can make our birth plan and we can do everything that we want, but we know that that's not going to go probably the way that we planned. But at least this information gives us a lot of support and encouragement through that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I talk a little bit about that in my newborn care classes, my prenatal classes, where, you know, we, when we're talking about infant sleep, we're talking about things like bed sharing. Like we're all told never bed share with your baby. 80% of parents bed share with their baby at one point or another in some form because of desperation for sleep. So knowing Mm -hmm. that, You know, before a baby arrives, no matter what your sleep plan is, research how to set your your bed and your sleep environment up as safe as possible for bed sharing, because there are Mm -hmm. ways that you can set it up safely. That way, if you do hit that wall, if you do hit that point that you do pull your baby into your bed with you in the middle of the night out of pure desperation, you're already set up to be the safest you can be. Yep. Because the the problems that can occur often occur because not the sleep environment is not set up safely for that. And then parents pull the baby in the bed and it's not safe, but just knowing also the why's behind, like why is it recommended that we never bed share with our baby and having that information beforehand, even if you're never planning on bed sharing with your baby, because 80% of parents do end up pulling the baby in their bed. And I think it's important to know the why behind it, because I have a lot of families that are like, you know, the message isn't being conveyed very well. So it's drilled in our brains, like never bet you with your baby, never bet you with your baby. So I have a lot of families that I talk to and they're like, well, our baby won't sleep unless we're holding him and we can't put him in our bed. So we've been sleeping on the couch with him which is like 10 times more dangerous, right? Yeah. <laughs> but because yeah. they just got the message and not the why behind exactly. the message, it didn't occur to them that the couch is more dangerous than right. the bed.
2: The thing that I love too about like when when you're thinking about learning about all of these things and drinking from the fire hose, the thing that I love about podcasts like this one, like Mama's in Training – It's an opportunity to let this information just sort of filter through your mind and your brain in such a passive way. You know, it's not like you have to read another book about breastfeeding or read a book about C-sections when it's not what you're focusing on doing. Instead, you can just listen to a podcast episode while you're, you know, cooking and cleaning, going for a walk, and it will file save in the back of your mind. Or you can, it'll then bring up a thought or a question. So when you do see your provider or speak with your doula or your midwife, you can say like, hey, I heard this about this. Like, I just wanted to check in. What do you think about that? You know, it's, it's just an easier way to get the information, to get different people's experience and then really sort through what works best for you. Because I mean, the whole thing with mamas in training is like, if we have an opportunity to learn and to study something before we even get there, what a great opportunity. I mean, very rarely do we study pregnancy, birth and motherhood. It just often happens to us or we're like, okay, we want to try to conceive. So in the first The three months or one month before we're going to try to start or when we start trying to conceive, that's when we're starting to dive into some of this information. But I just like to encourage people that if if you're already in that place, if you're already pregnant, that's great and that's fine. But if you have friends or family members who are potential, you know, they know that they want to be a mom, encourage them to take this opportunity and just listen to a podcast or like check in on this information because what a beautiful opportunity to take this time beforehand, before the hormones start rushing, you know, Mm -hmm. before it all comes, comes running at you. So yeah,
1: 100%. And so let's talk about the third pillar.
2: Yeah. Community is so massive and so essential. I know that you've talked about this a lot too, in the way that you can set up, you know, your postpartum community too, and what that means. I did this episode um, called How to Find Your Mom Squad. And I was identifying the three categories of your community. And the way that I really like to break it up is, number one, your immediate friends and family. Those people that are the closest to you, those people that have seen you in your roughest and darkest times, they're they're kind of the given. You know who they are. You know that you can call on them at any time. The second category is going to be A little bit of an extended friends and family. And what I encourage people to do is really do a brainstorm, a download, and actually write these names down on a piece of paper. And then you're going to kind of categorize them like, who are the people that I can call at three in the morning? Who are the people that I'm going to call for a laugh? You know, there's going to be different categories of people. I know for me, I have my one girlfriend that I, you know, if I need a prayer, I'm going to call that one girlfriend. I'm going to call another girlfriend if I need a laugh. I'm going to call another girlfriend if I need a really deep, intense conversation. And every person in your in your life can have these different categories. But especially if they're a little bit removed from your immediate friends and family, they might have a little bit more time. They might have a different perspective. You know, So by getting these names really down on paper, it sounds silly. But especially when you're in that postpartum time or you're pregnant and you're just overwhelmed, you're done, you know, and you think, who can I call in this minute? You actually have a paper to look at and be like, okay, who would serve me at this moment for what I'm actually needing? And it might not be your mom and it might not be Mm -hmm. your best friend. It might be, you know... Uh, an, an extended friend that you haven't talked to for a while, but you remember they went through a similar situation or whatever. And then the third part of community is what I like to call your third party community. So this is something like your online groups, your online Facebook groups, maybe like, for example, anybody is more than welcome to join Mamas in Training Facebook community. It's for aspiring, expecting moms. And it's a place for us to just connect and support. Um, this is also can look like your new mom meetups, whether that's online or that's in person. Maybe it's uh, your breastfeeding groups. Maybe it's your you know, neighborhood, even like book club meetups or anything like that. Like there's so many different ways that we can have these third-party communities. But the beautiful part about these third-party communities, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the beginning about advocacy, is I really think having strangers in your life, they kind of give you an opportunity. They like hold up a mirror and reflect your own experience. And so say you're in this new mom meetup, for example, and you're postpartum and you're experiencing all of these things, whether it's physically or mentally or whatnot. And maybe your doctor is saying, welcome to motherhood. This is typical. Mm -hmm. You're able to kind of, Get that reflection from these strangers and their experience and know either, oh, wow, I'm actually doing pretty good. Like all of these other women are kind of going through this and I thought I was really struggling, but like, no, I'm, I'm okay. Or it can also do the opposite, which is like, oh, I thought that this was normal, but none of these other people or very few of these people are experiencing what I'm experiencing. So maybe I need a little bit more support. Maybe Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, maybe this isn't baby blues anymore, whatever that is, that third party community, I think can really give that to you. And I'm not saying that your immediate friends or family can't give that to you, but I think there's something so valuable and precious about a stranger relationship, (laughs) just because there's no bias, there's no opinion based on your past or your history or your life It's just one person's experience and comparing it to yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, comparison can also be the thief of joy. So we have to be cautious with comparing in that sense. But if it's a safe, supportive environment, um, which is also essential in community, making sure that you feel good in those parties and those places, it can really, I think, be a helpful tool for you at any and every stage of motherhood.
1: Yeah, 100%. I remember my third baby was a really hard baby. He cried a lot. And Mm. I went to a mom's group and the woman who was sitting next to me, you know, the meeting was about two hours long and her baby cried the entire time. And I felt so much better (laughs) because Mm. I was like, oh, I am not the only one going through this. I am not the only one um going through this at all um so yeah yeah, there is value and even like online groups like you said sometimes it's just nice to have a safe place where you can just wake up in the morning and you know make a post that says something like my baby was an a-hole and didn't let me sleep at all and other people comment like yeah me too you know next time text me i'm up you know (laughs) exactly you know it's just like okay we're struggling but we're in this together even though we live on different parts of the country and whatever so Um, I think it's kind of like a a double-edged sword though with social media because it brings Mm -hmm. people together and creates communities that wouldn't have existed before. But again, you have to be careful about that comparison Mm -hmm. game, which is why, you know, especially with like Instagram or Pinterest, where it's very visual, Mm -hmm. if you're seeing these perfectly made up houses that, you know, everything's white and the mom's wearing, you know, perfectly made up, that is Mm -hmm. not the community for you if you're not Mm -hmm. feeling that. So Mm -hmm. you want to be careful that you're finding the right community, especially if you are choosing to do it or have to do it more online. Absolutely. You know, don't be afraid to unfollow people that are not part of your community.
2: Yeah. And, and like, in you're talking about Facebook groups and stuff, it absolutely goes as well. Like there are some really not supportive Facebook groups that I have found, or there's some that are just a lot of complaining, which could be too much for you, you know? Um, so really understanding and kind of doing that personal check again, like, is this serving me or is it not? Um, but you're right. There can be a lot of benefit to it. And like, for example, in the Mamas in training Facebook group, for example, I see some people you can put up, a lot of people don't know this, but you can put up an anonymous post. Mm -hmm. So even if you're going through something and you maybe feel a little uncomfortable to put your name and face out there put it up anonymously. You can put it into the ether um, Mm -hmm. if you just want that type of understanding and you want someone to hear you. It's really, I think, a valuable tool that not many people take full advantage of. So creating your mom squad, building all those areas of your community, really writing it down on paper, can I think, really change just your journey in and through this mm. process?
1: yeah, and I think it's really important to or helpful, or at least it has been very helpful for me in the past where I started to start my post with the what I intended with creating the post. So sometimes I'd mm. say, I'm looking for advice and suggestions exactly. and then other times, you know, I would say, I'm just venting, not yes. looking for solutions because it, that's another thing that I see a lot on social media where people are just venting and they're getting like a million different solutions thrown at them, and they're like, "Whoa, I'm just, I'm just yeah, in just a had to bitchy get mood." I just had to get that off my yeah. chest. Yeah. Whereas other people are like, "No, I'm, I'm really looking for solutions." And then if you're asking for solutions and suggestions, just realizing that not every response on every suggestion that you get is going to be right for you
2: mm-hmm.
1: and your family, and realizing it, and not having to feel like you have to try everything.
2: Right. A hundred percent. Trusting your instinct kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a tricky time of your life and everything is changing for you. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I got a really powerful message just two weeks ago from somebody in my community that was saying they didn't realize, you know, they hear from everybody what it's like and what motherhood can be like. And she's she's uh, expecting and she said, but, you know, I was even finding that a lot of my friends were kind of drifting away and she didn't really expect that to happen. And she's saying that by listening to the podcast and by being in in community with other women who are in the same experience and in the same boat, she was getting that sort of replacement of the friendship and the connection that she was also simultaneously losing And that happens for many reasons, you know, there's some people that can't hold space for what you're going through that don't understand it. Maybe they're going through their own journey and it's just too much for them, whatever it is, instead of, you know, sort of mourning that we can have the opportunity to create the community that we want that continues to support us. So I think it's really something that we don't want to underestimate. Mm -hmm, 100%.
1: What else do you want parents to know? about the three pillars?
2: I think it's really just starting right now, no matter mm-hmm. what area you're in, what time of this or or part of this journey that you're in. Um, if you're potentially thinking of being a mom in two, three, five years, it's valuable to start advocating for yourself, doing the planning and preparing, listen to these podcasts Get this information and start drinking from the fire hose now. Start having these conversations now with your partner or with yourself. Um, start creating this community for yourself now. And even if you're a new mom and you're in the throes of it, you're in postpartum. Like there's never, there's never a wrong time. It's never too late, and it can just really impact your journey. And um, I think so often people you know say things like they never told me or nobody ever told me i never knew and by taking the time especially if you have the opportunity as a mama in training to take the time ahead of time to learn some of this information it can be so valuable and there's you know uncovering that we have to do that's really dark personally like for example like maybe there are tendencies or habits that your mother did or that your family, you know, instilled in you that you don't want to do. Um, Or maybe there's a way that, you know, you have heard is typical for a pregnancy journey or a labor or birth journey that doesn't sit right with you. By taking the time ahead of time to have these conversations with yourself, with your therapist, with your partner, it really can just allow us to be so much more prepared and to be able to advocate in every sort of turn that we're in every sort of path that's gonna, you know, take our way. It it's never predictable, but I think this gives us the the strength to move through it in a Mm -hmm. in a more graceful way. Yeah.
1: And if you have like the the time and the resources, you know, create your care team beforehand, you know, Mm -hmm. especially if you are already pregnant meet with an IBCLC. If you're planning on breastfeeding or combo feeding, meet with an IBCLC before baby Mm -hmm. arrives, meet with a pelvic health specialist before baby arrives and check in with a mental health
2: specialist. Yeah. I would even say meet with a pelvic floor physio before you're even pregnant. Yeah. Like know where you're at beforehand. Mm -hmm. And this is something that was only, I feel like really talked about in the past five-ish years or something like that. But with everything else, like we know where we stand before something, but especially in talking about our pelvic floor, oh my gosh, episode 71, we had a conversation all about your pelvic floor and I was just blown away. And I was like, it makes total sense. Like go in and get, get a um, exam before you even get pregnant. Then, you know, oh, I Mm -hmm. already have these things that I need to work on or, oh, this is pretty strong. I'm pretty good in this area or that area. So that then when things change, you know, from where they changed, Mm. you know, and and you can kind of work from that point.
1: Yeah. And you already have an established relationship with a professional too, because it can be really just emotionally draining when you're sleep deprived and you know, you're overwhelmed and now you have to like tell this stranger that you've never met before your story and your background that can feel, Mm -hmm. you know, a little overwhelming. But if you've met with them beforehand, they already know your background. They already know your story. You're you're on a friendly, trusting relationship with them. Mm -hmm. It just makes the postpartum period um, and the pregnancy too, a lot less stressful.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And also bringing your partner on board. Like if, you know, if you're on pillar two, like making sure that you bring your partner to the breastfeeding class or whatnot, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, Mm -hmm. When, when I teach breastfeeding, you know, we always encourage the partners to show up and it's always that first dad to be, if he's the first one walking in and he doesn't see any other dads, you can see the look on his face. He's like, uh oh, and then he's usually like, am I going to be the only dad here? No, you're not. Because if you have a new baby and you're crying at 2am because your nipples are bleeding and your baby is screaming, it's not the lactation consultant that's going to be in the bed next to you. It's going to be your partner. So if they know that they have the same knowledge, the same education, the same prep that you've gone through, it's much more likely to work out more smoothly. They can be a better support person, things like that.
2: Absolutely. I'll throw this in too, because it's so essential and blew my mind. Episode 106, we actually, I interviewed a dad. It's called, What About Dads? How Your Partner Could Silently Be Suffering. And it blew my mind because this dad actually suffered his own panic attack postpartum. And he talks to us about the importance of really the father getting an opportunity to share his fears and anxieties um, before even labor and delivery happen. Uh, So I think it's an important episode for both you as the birthing person, as well as your partner to hear, because it opens up that dialogue. And oftentimes as the birthing person, we think, this is happening to us. All of this is happening to us and our body, but your partner might also be going through a lot, might also have a lot of fears. And if we don't address them, they could also end up getting sick postpartum and then Mm -hmm. they can't be there for us as we need. So that was a really powerful lesson that I hadn't really thought about before. But um, in my conversation in episode 106, it was like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we just need to start that conversation and hold space our partner too. I love that. And that's something
1: that is so important. And then one of the things, one of the questions I ask almost every family that I'm working with is, you know, tell me about your support system. You Mm -hmm. have friends coming by family. And a lot of moms are like, well, my husband's home for another month and he's been great. And that's wonderful, but who's supporting him, right? right? Because he's Mm -hmm. sleep deprived as well. He's overwhelmed as well. So it's nice that he is supporting you and that you're supporting him but who's coming over to support both of you as a family unit.
2: Mm -hmm. Or even just holding space and, you Mm -hmm. know, both of you having a therapist to just hold space and talk about. And, you know, with this dad specifically, he admitted that he didn't share a lot of his fears because he didn't want to burden his wife who was already hormonal and going through everything. And that could really be a thing too. I mean, I can't imagine that a partner would necessarily want to unload all of his fears, you know, uh, or their fears on you knowing what you're going through. And so if, if they have a space too to unload in a safe and supportive space, whether it's with a therapist or it's just a best friend or it's a family member or a postpartum doula, like whatever it is, but that support. Yeah. It's so, so essential.
1: Well, this has been great.
2: Can you tell us where families can find you and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find the podcast anywhere at Mamas in Training. That's M-A-M-A-S. Um, it's easily found on all podcast apps, Apple, Spotify. You can go to uh, mamasintraining.com as well and listen on any app. You can also connect on the Facebook group, like I said, and you're more than welcome to join uh, Mamas in Training on Facebook. You can connect with me on Instagram. That's at Pod. I'm also on TikTok now with this crazy world. Oh, yay. Uh, that's that's my personal connection. So that's mm-hmm. just at Jessica Lorien, L-O-R-I-O-N. But please reach out, send me a message. Um, I really like to connect personally with everybody who comes across uh, in and in, into my community. And I'm just so happy to connect and support anybody. Great, thank you so much, Jessica. You're welcome. Thank you, Shelley.
0: Thank you for joining us this week on the
1: Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaftIBCLC.com, where you can check out more options for support through Pregnancy and Beyond, including the Baby Pro Bistro, our parenting community. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaftIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes to help our episodes reach more parents like you. Thanks for listening.